Welcome to Elevating Brick and Mortar, a podcast about how operations and facilities drive brand performance. On today's episode, we talk with Kenneth Jones, Director of Facilities at Heartland Dental. As a leading dental support organization, Heartland Dental provides administrative, clinical, and professional support to dentists, hygienists, and non-clinical teams so they can focus on delivering the highest quality dental care and experiences to the communities they serve. Kenneth proudly served 23 years in the active and reserve component of the U.S. Army and now oversees the facility teams that manage facility repairs and maintenance. In this episode, Kenneth discusses tackling supply chain shortages, prioritizing the patient experience, and how he and his team are optimizing MedTail. But first, a word from our sponsors. Want to rest easy knowing your brick-and-mortar locations are offering the best possible guest experience? Partner with Service Channel for peak facilities performance. Check out servicechannel.com today to learn more. Now here's your host, industry and FM technology thought leader and chief business development officer at Service Channel, Sid Shetty, along with our guest, Kenneth Jones. Hello, everyone. Welcome to season two, episode one. We're so excited about this new season. Thank you all for joining us. Our very first guest is Kenneth Jones, Director of Facilities at Heartland Dental. Kenneth, welcome. How are you? Hey, Sid. It's great to be here. Doing really well. Thank you so much, and thank you for being here. So, Kenneth, you served in the military, right? And, and by the way, thank you for your service. But tell us about your journey into facilities management. So, it was a long and uh, curvy road is the best way to say it. So again, I did join the military as a young man, uh, served mostly in the reserves, but did 23 years. Uh, and then just uh, did a lot of different things. But uh, in 2001, I bought a Surpro franchise. Uh, we ran that, started a construction company, uh, now dry cleaners. So we were very entrepreneurial when we did that. Uh, in 2013, sold that company and went back to Union Construction. So again, I have a love for construction. So I went to that, did that for a couple of years. And my daughter, really good basketball player. She's 20 years old now. I also have a 17-year-old daughter and a 14-year-old son. Uh, so she was playing basketball. She's a really good basketball player, was on a uh, traveling team. And I was sitting talking to the coach. And he said, he kind of asked me what I've done in my past. He says, well, I know there may be a good job for you. And I said, well, I said, where's that at? And he said, well, Heartland Dental. And I, I asked the question, what would I be doing for a dentist? So uh, we, we talked through that, uh, interviewed with uh, several people at Heartland Dental. Super. I mean, the experience was just great. And uh, it was uh, for a project coordination manager. So really what we were doing on that team, we were running flooring and paints, expansions, remodels, those type of things. Uh, after my first year, uh, we didn't really have an emphasis on uh, facilities, facilities management. It really was we were only handling major issues or we were just letting the office call the, the plumber, the electrician, or giving them the plumber's or electrician's name. So in 2016, we stood up a facilities team. Uh, so that's kind of how I got to facilities. It was, it was a long journey. Uh, one of the things I always find humorous, most people in facilities departments, facilities teams, they didn't go to school to be facilities managers. They didn't, you know, that That's they right. just kind of ended up there. That's right. It's it's a story we hear very often, right? I mean, most folks, at least, you know, till now, uh, have kind of fallen into facilities or find a, found their way into facilities. Um, but, you know, 
right now, I think things are changing. I think schools now are having programs um, that focus on facilities management, which is fantastic to see. Um, so I think it's going to be a very interesting few years as we see new blood come in, different experiences come in. So that's fantastic. Um, any lessons you think that you know you learned in the military that have applied in what you do in, in facilities? Absolutely. Like I said, uh, I started in the military way back in 1991. And really, it was just some of the leadership traits and things like that. One of the things the military is really great about is thrusting you into leadership responsibilities. And as a young leader, uh, I pretty well had a motto, firm, fair, and consistent. And that worked for a while. Interesting. Uh, yeah, it was just firm, fair, and consistent. And it worked really well. But as I got older and I got more responsibilities in the military, uh, it became a realization in my early 30s that everybody's a leader. Everybody on your team, from the newest person to the to the most senior person, is a leader. And micromanagement doesn't work. You know, uh, it is really training to standard and then letting them them go. And so that is something I learned very. You know, it took me a while to learn, but again, it was just a a leadership change. And we have to be able as leaders to change our leadership styles uh, to to accommodate team members, to accommodate leaders, and a to accommodate change because it's just what we do is ever changing. So we have to be able to change. So your facilities team is pretty young. If you look at when it was originally formed, Um, you know, what has that experience been and how important has your team been to the success of of your, uh, you know, your program within your organization? Yeah. So I've, I've had a lot of chances to talk to other people in my position, especially in the medical field. And we all are pretty young. So we're unlike retail, where retail, some of these companies have been open 100 years and had facility teams that are uh, 50 years old. So they've been doing this for 50 years. Uh, We, you know, we've been doing this for about seven years in the facilities. I've talked to other companies. They're pretty new. So a lot of our focus in companies like myself and medical is all those other things. And this is something that's come along. So we've kind of grown with the company. Uh, The team is everything. We, as a team, very much value, you know, personality, being nice. Uh, we're hiring people. And again, the whole team is part of this, the, the process. We want to find someone that's hungry. They're, they're looking for this challenge. They're humble. Again, they're not over the top, but they're also not in that, that bottom, you know, hey, I don't know if I can do this. And then people smart, which is the most important thing. You know, understanding people, understanding their their dominant buying motives, understanding their, their personalities so that we can help them and accommodate them to their, their needs. So that's a big part of it. Also, the team is young. And, and again, this is the exciting thing about my team. They're super hungry. They want to learn. They learn the trades. They learn the plumbing, the electrical, all those things. They're diving into them. But at the end right. of the day, it's customer service and, and really diving in to making sure the customer is getting what they need. And again, it's a team effort. And the great thing about facilities, uh, the one thing I love about facilities, we're fixers. So even if we get to the point where we're fixing something and something goes wrong, we don't have time to dwell on it. We have to go on to how am I going to fix this issue now? So that's really what the team is about. And each one of those team members that are on my team, and again, very new team, they're leaders in their own dimension. So they find a way to lead and they find a way to, to bring innovation. That, that's really smart. I, I think by the nature of facilities, when someone reaches out to you, they're looking for help, you know, just just because something's not working the way it should or something's gone wrong. Um, and 
being able to really have empathy and be humble and to have the people smart to handle people. Um, and of course, you know, being hungry to like, you know, innovate and, and do more and to excel. Those are the right qualities to have. Uh, it makes a lot of sense for sure. Um, tell us about Heartland Dental. What is the culture like and what kind of experience does Heartland want, um, you know, your customers or your patients to have? Uh, what, what, why should customers choose Heartland? And, you know, what should an ideal dentist's office experience be? Yeah. So one of the things that I, I found life-changing when I came to Heartland, there's several things, but everybody's nice. And, and you know, we say that and we talk about that in this, you know, everything, but it truly is. Like I go to work every day and I see people smiling. They're just nice. Right. So that permeates through the whole company. Our CEO, Pat Bauer, says you got to be nice to work here. And that's everybody. Going into the dental office, you want to go into a clean, well-set-up, you know, efficient office. So you, you want to walk in and feel welcome. So that goes down from the, you know, every element of the office to what it looks like outside to going inside to how you meet the staff. So those are things. And we want it safe. I mean, we want to make sure all our offices are safe for our staff and team. But Ultimately, you want to go into a place where you feel welcome. So anything we can do as a facilities team, uh, that's what we've, we focus on. How can we make sure that patient comes in from the time they pull in the parking lot to the time they leave that they felt welcome? What is your North Star when you see the role of your team within Heartland Dental? Like what impact do you have in a, or would like to have, you know, as it relates to the overall brand? couple things that we're always there. We're always available. So we are a 24-7 department. So if they need us, we are there. And it doesn't matter whether it's my department. And I feel like everybody feels like this in Heartland. If you have a question about something outside my department, I'm going to find an answer for you. The other thing is to match their urgency. So there's right. so many things that happen in an office that may not be an emergency to someone, but to them it is. So I use the wet ceiling tile, you know, is that an emergency? But if you really ask the question, hey, my patient looking up the ceiling all day, I have patients, there's a wet ceiling tile. And while I'm working in their mouth, they're thinking about that ceiling tile on them. So it's really understanding what they need and the urgency. So we really focus on matching urgency. I love that. Match the urgency. And you know what? That's such an interesting point. Like one ceiling tile might not matter in a regular retail store or retail environment. But if you're lying down and looking up at that one tile, you're right. I, that would bother me I, for sure. Wow, that, that's a very interesting perspective on, on how it could, you know, something small could be important in a different env environment. Let's chat Medtail, right? It's, it's a relatively new term and new vertical, right? There's a lot of movement uh, where we're seeing some consolidation. Any thoughts on what's driving this wave? Well, Medtail for me, and like I said, coming to Heartland, I, I mean, I got introduced to Medtail. So it really is putting medical facilities in retail locations. So it's where the people are. So this is a major grocer. This is your Target. This is your Walmart. And you have a dental office or a veterinary office, physical therapy. I've even seen now pet care. Uh, companies going in, you know, for boarding and things like that, right in front of a uh, Publix. So one is putting these offices where patients are going to be. So it makes it right. easy for them. So I remember when I used to go to the dentist, I, it was in a medical center on a dead end road on the edge of town. 
Uh, so again, this we're putting this where the patients are, making it easy for them. Uh, yeah, so there's been a boom of this. And again, with the economy and everything, spaces opening up, mergers and acquisitions outside of medical. So, you know, there, there's spaces coming open that allows companies like ourselves or other medical to get into there. Uh, and again, it's just a, it's an envir- inviting environment and it's easy for our patients. These are, these are actual uh, dentists who own the practice uh, and are joining Heartland. Like what is, what, what benefit did they get by, by joining, you know, uh, your company? Yeah. So I've got to talk to several dentists and I even look at it from my own perspective. So I used to own a business. Right. And there are things I didn't like to do in my business. I didn't like to do payroll. I didn't like to work with insurance companies. I mean, I'd love to get out and fix things. Uh, so I see it similar for dentists than the dentists I've talked to. Again, they get to be in the business of dentistry. They get to focus. They be, get to become the best clinicians they can be. And right. then they can be an involved or uninvolved as they want in all those other things. Uh I don't know of any dentist that wants to be involved in insurance that, you know, so we have a whole team that they, they handle all the dental and medical insurance, uh, even with facilities and projects that we're doing. We have some uh, dentists that are very involved in the process. They want to pick everything. And then some say, hey, you got it. Just take care of it. Uh, tell me when it's done. So, again, we are kind of out of cart in that sense that we will meet where they want to be. So, like, it isn't cookie cutter it is hey you, you want to be very involved be very involved if you don't you don't have to be and again it allows the dentist to be the leader of the practice so again that's right that's our culture the dentist is the leader of that practice and uh, we meet their expectations hey i'm your host sid shetty and i hope you're enjoying this conversation so far To make sure you're up to date and have access to all our episodes, make sure you're subscribed to the podcast. Also, if you have thoughts, comments, or questions, be sure to follow Service Channel on LinkedIn so you can be part of our community of like-minded folks, as well as have access to a lot of other great content. Feel free to also connect and follow me on LinkedIn. I'm your host, Sid Shetty, and now back to the show. It must be so different, right? Because it's not just a retail associate that's your customer for facilities. Like here, your customer is the dentist and the dentist associates who owned the boutique dentist office before, the business before. And so they may have more pride and more a need for an, an involvement in that physical space. How does that impact what you do? And it's definitely going to be different compared to the standard retail restaurant environment, right? Yeah. So you're not dealing with a manager that's uh, in college or just got out of college. No, some of these dentists have owned their offices for 20, 30, 40 years, and they do have different expectations. Uh, and it really is meeting those expectations of how they want to be served listening that that's the key is listening and whether it's to their operations managers or practice managers really finding out who needs what uh, i always go back to dbm dominant bimoding if you can get key in on what the dominant thing that they want uh, you can you can meet their expectations but yes it is it's not easy and again you have to have people that are very uh receptive very uh open to suggestions and things like that 
Uh, and again, sometimes in retail, you can be like, this, 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 and this is what we're going to do. You can't do right. that in the medical field. You have to meet different people's expectations. And again, they're varying. That's interesting. Um, you know, dentist's office have very specific kind of specialized equipment. You know, you're taking care of patients. You're doing procedures on patients. Um, so, you know, you've got specialty equipment that now you have to be, be very uh, conscientious about to make sure that those are working and working right. Um, also, you know, a down asset would mean that it impacts your patient's schedules um, and your patients might be in the chair and you can't get to your equipment in the other room or on the office. That's pretty unique for like your your, your space. How, how does that impact what you do in facilities and, and how do you navigate through that? Yeah, so one of the things is preventive maintenance. So we try to be proactive, making sure but there really are three pieces of equipment that really could shut a dental office down. So of course our HVAC, uh, again, we have patients in the chair, we have clinicians, you know, performing procedures. So again, you can't have it 80, 90 degrees in the office because again, it's just not ideal or even cold. So again, that's a big deal to us, how our HVAC systems run and that are efficient. We also have dental compressors, which provide air to the tools. And then we have dental vacuums, which provide all the suction. So if these things go down, this really limits what the dental office can do. So we work with our, our, our basically our dental equipment team to make sure these are up and going fast if they go down. Uh, we also work with Henry Shine, who's our major equipment vendor. Sure. They, they, they're on Johnny on the spot when we need a replacement. But it really is being 24-7. Hey, we're available. We're going to get this taken care of. And even with that, I kind of expand on it, you know, that there are being procedures to be done in here every day. So we cannot just send a tech uh, with a hammer, start hammering because, you know, the dentist or the hygienist is working in someone's mouth. So we have to work around the dental office's schedule. We have to make sure that they, as a dental office, understand the work that's going to be done, but also the contractor, the supplier, the vendor, making sure that, hey, you can't disrupt patient care. So again, patient care is paramount to us. It would probably be one of our other North Stars that, hey, you can't affect patient care. Um, and, and even in sometimes we have to shut down parts of the office to do work. We have to build containment, all those type of things, so that work can go on the, the other part of the office. If ever there's a situation where, you know, you do have to shut down your office, I presume because you have multiple locations, it might help with scheduling and asking a patient to go to another office because it's still owned by the same practice, right? Well, what we do in the sense is, and we've had this several with these recent pipe freezes, water damages, hurricanes, all these things going on. Uh, so I can use an example. Just lately, we had an office that you know was affected by major water damage and they had emergency patients. So they could go over to the nearby office and see those patients. And they were still right. being seen by that dental offices, that dentist, that hygienist, but they were just working out of this other office. And again, what an amazing experience, you know, that there is that collaboration that, I mean, if, again, if you're on your own, you're not going to the next door dentist's office and saying, hey, can I see my patients? And it is, again, this is one of the things that excites me about Heartland. And when I meet dentists and I get to talk to them is just all the collaboration there's there is no competition it is like hey how are you doing this how are you getting better i look at it in my field i talk to people every day 
other facility managers. How are you doing this? How are you getting better? So it's the same for our dentists. They're, they're talking to other dentists. That's great. How many locations does Heartland have? How many, how many locations are you responsible for? So I think this year we just uh, topped 1,700 and we had around 500 offices. I remember 2019, I think it was late 2019, we celebrated our 1,000th office. And so we've grown wow. 700 even in that short time period. That's pretty phenomenal. So let's let's pivot a little bit. Um, so Kenneth, you and I know each other well. We we serve on the board of directors uh, of Connects FM, and you know we get to talk a lot about the industry as a whole, the challenges we're facing, and how we can collectively help move the industry forward. Um, can you share your thoughts with our audience about just facilities in general? and how it's perceived, um, and, and what can we do as a collective um, to keep moving forward and, and, and really help with the image of, of what facilities does as it relates to the whole organization? Yeah, I think it's telling the story. We keep these uh, offices, whether we're medical, retail, we keep the offices up and running. We keep them safe. And it's really telling that story that, you know, our teams and our suppliers and vendors that's our goal is to keep this 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 uh, flywheel turning, keep everybody going. And, uh, you know, we also need to let, you know, the industry know that, hey, we're seeing shortages of contractors. We're having supply chain shortages. So there's all these challenges that these facility teams in my team and other companies are dealing with. And, and, and again, they're, they're, they're large problems. And to realize the importance of these individual facility teams throughout the country, uh, the suppliers that are supporting those offices, I think it, it's it's a big deal. Yeah, I mean, you, you've seen some pretty great growth in your own career at Heartland. How have you told the story about why facilities is important and how have you um, articulated, you know, the importance of your, your, your program and when you, when you talk to the leaders in your organization? Yeah. So one, it's, uh, there's a couple things. One, you have to be able to build a business case. So you have to tell the story of why you should be making change or why you should be adding this or why you should be doing that. So as a leader in a company, no matter where you're at, you have to be able to build that business case, the why. Right. Uh, the other thing is it is sharing the successes. It really is sharing the successes because if you don't, nobody knows them. Uh, again, uh, I love the story that's been told by our CEO. We have one of our dental offices, brand new affiliation. Uh, she was on vacation, had a major water damage. Now, if she was still, you know, not with Heartland, she would have been going to the office, taking care of all that. But she didn't have to. She just made one call to the facilities team and we got that taken care of. So it absolutely is sharing the successes with your leadership of what your team is doing, how they're impacting the offices, because sometimes those things get, you know, just, I don't, they get where they don't get told. So nobody right. knows. So it really is. And that's part of my job as a director and a leader is to tell the successes of the team. And I guess connecting the dots, the bigger picture, right? Because you're right. Facilities is in so many ways, like the unsung heroes in, in certain situations. But I think the nature of, the industry and the people in it, we just come in, do our thing, and then, you know, move on and uh, don't necessarily take the time to, um, you know, kind of celebrate that success and share it with the other parts of the organization. Yeah. And I even look back to the hurricane, Hurricane Ian, 
and just the things that not only our operations team. So we have an operations team out there in the field that are supporting doctors and teams and what they had to go through, but the facilities team, how they led and worked with other departments. Like I said, that's the great thing about Heartland. I get to work with our dental equipment team, our IT teams every day. And like I said, it is, uh, everybody's rolling the boat the same way, but to get to see how that team acted in tragedy and emergency, again, an individual dental office doesn't get that. They're kind of on their own, whereas we get to support these dental offices at a high level. So that's that's what we're here to do. Yeah, facilities teams have to always answer the call, right? Like you, you can't not be present because if, so, if something goes wrong, there are people, that are, there's a whole store, location, physical space that's relying on you um, and your network of, of providers. Um, to basically come save the day in so many yeah. cases. And, and, you know, many times, like if you're doing your job in a really good way, um, you don't even know when something's broken because everything just gets fixed behind the scenes, yeah. right? Yeah, and it, it's as simple as answering the phone. Uh, again, I love to brag on my team on this. They answer the phone 95% of the time. So, right. you know, they, they're there to answer the phone because they realize how important just that first step it's just answering the phone and finding out what's going on. So, yeah, I mean, and I've had doctors all the time tell me, well, we've got calls and said, hey, where's the status of this? And we're like, uh, you know, it's been fixed. <laughs> like, right. oh. <laughs> so, again, those are the kinds of the quirky things. But, uh, yeah, it's just an, it's an amazing experience to get to facilities as an instant gratification thing. You fix it. You're a hero. You don't. You're a zero. But you're still moving on to the next thing. You're you're moving on to okay. I didn't get it fixed. Now what do I got to do the next steps? And I think I've shared that before. Is we're always fixing, so there's no time to dwell. It's moving to the next thing. Yeah, but you know you're right. And you know it's so important to kind of um, just talk about as a consumer or as a patient what it would feel like if facilities was not there to support the business, right? Like I can only imagine if I was actually, you know, going into a dentist's office and the sign outside, you know, was kind of broken and I walk in and the floor's kind of dirty and, um, you know, the place just doesn't look welcoming. I mean, I'm, I'm going to be in there with my mouth open, you know, uh, getting a procedure done or a cleaning done. Um, it's not going to be very comfortable, yeah. right? Yeah. And so it's it's huge. We have to maintain a standard. And that's a great thing is that we do have those standards and we're going to maintain right. those standards. And uh, and to be honest, there's buying in power what we do. We have 1,700 dental offices, so we can get flooring at a better price. We can get paint. We can get these type of things for offices to add value to the, to the dentist and the office. Uh, but yeah, we've all been there where we walked in either a retail or a medical facility and we're just like, oh, I'm probably not coming back. So right. again, we don't want any patient to ever have that experience. So again, we have brand standards. We, we, we you know, do things like that to make sure the offices are taken care of. Tell me about um, the impact, you know, of the supply chain disruption on your business. Like, are you guys feeling it in your space? I'd like to also talk about you know, the shortage of talent and and trained technicians in the field? Like, how is this impacting your business? Yeah, so the supply chain shortage, absolutely. We have a very strong procurement team at Heartland. Uh, so we have a development team and also a general procurement team. So again, yes, it has affected us trying to get 
parts for HVAC units, trying to get HVAC units in total. So like even the proactiveness of the, our teams, uh, they went out and bought units to have on hold so that if a dental office has an HVAC go down, we have something to put on it. Uh, it's also being used for our new construction. But even, you know, even back to the pandemic, the, the teams that procurement teams were able to do. And uh, so they were able to just bring so much value to us by getting supplies, getting them at the right price, things like that. But again, the supply chain shortage has been huge and we've weathered that storm. I still think there's parts of it going to go into the far into the future that we're going to continue to struggle with. But again, that is all. another great thing about us is we have a vast vendor supplier and network and manufacturing network. So we can go to several different avenues and find out, hey, we can't get it here. Can we get it here? Uh, the, the other thing is the uh, supply labor shortage. Uh, and one of the things we noticed after the pandemic, some people didn't come back into the, the, the industry. Uh, so again, we're being very upfront with our offices, especially, you know, in certain trades that, hey, there is a delay on getting those trades out because there's not the professionals in in them. And again, this has to be a focus in the years and decades coming up is we are running out of service providers to help out offices. Uh, it puts us in a great position as a large company that we can secure those type of uh, at, you know assets, providers, and those type of things. But it is going to continue to become a, a struggle. Yeah, and I think the more we can do to, I guess, be proactive and be strategic about how we look to the future, the better prepared we're going to be to kind of handle whatever comes our way, right? Because today it's supply chain issues and, and the, the trained, uh, skilled labor shortage. Um, but you never know what kind of curveball is going to get thrown at us, you know, as we, as we move forward. Um, but I think as an industry, we have definitely come out stronger, um, you know, out of the last three years. It's been a very interesting last three years, wouldn't you say? Yes. And, I, you know, we all have our struggles and our challenges, but I always think they bring innovation. They bring, bring a better way to do something because you have to figure it out. You have to take that next step and say, okay, I'm not going to have this asset or I'm not going to have these suppliers or I'm not going to have, you know, in facilities. And, and we see this throughout, uh, you know, sometimes you don't get the, the, the personnel you need or, you know, the FTE, the full-time employee. So how are we going to do it next? How are we right. and how are we still going to do it? Great. So it's always planning. It's always talking. It's but I, I've always found problems bring innovation. Uh, so uh, you know we we innovated during the pandemic. Uh, we went to a totally you know remote workforce and we're successful. So that was right. innovation. Um, That's right. You know so we always innovate through problems and. and uh, we try to figure out a better way to do it. And we have like uh, internet of things, you know, IOT on, you know, HVAC and electrical and things like that. It's a better way to do stuff. It's preventative, but again, it took time to do that. On a lighter note, Kenneth, um, facilities teams always have the craziest stories, right? A um, lot of things that, that come up that you wonder, wow, really? Like I've not seen this happen before. Any crazy stories that you want to share with our audience today? I have so many. <laughs> I do have so many. A couple of them is like, we, we get the car hits, you know, hitting the buildings. Uh, this is throughout the industry. But I remember sitting at dinner in Oklahoma and getting a call from a regional manager in Georgia. And she said, hey, a car hit our building. And I said, hey, we'll get it taken care of. How much damage is there? And she sent me a picture and it is actually sitting in the lobby. 
And again, it happened at night. It's sitting in the lobby. Uh, So I got a flight from Oklahoma to Georgia. We had that dental office up and seeing patients the next day. Uh, So Wow. And then uh, the other one is buzzards and vultures. Again, I'm a country boy. I grew up in the country. I mean, I've seen buzzards and vultures my whole life. Didn't I did not know they're protected. I didn't know there were so many ways to deal with them. Uh, we recently had an office that was having some issues with that. And it really took six months working through the, the government to get stuff like that taken care of. Every day is an adventure. Right. Vultures in a dentist's office. Yeah. Maybe they needed a cleaning. Yeah. <laughs> right. That's uh, something new. Um, you know, I love asking that question because you just hear so many great stories and and different things that apply to different spaces. So thank you for sharing. So Kenneth, you know, what advice would you give to anyone who's listening, who either is thinking about or is starting out their career in the facility space? What should they be doing? What should they be thinking? How can they aspire to be a future facilities leader? Find a mentor. So that's one of the biggest things going to do. And I actually had a mentor mentee meeting today. And we were talking through that. And one of the things I would encourage is find someone that's one step ahead or half a step ahead. You don't have to find that top person, but you want to find that person that's a step or a half a step ahead because that's where you want to get next. And that's what, you know, you can take that small next step or that next jump. So you want to find that mentor and you need to find mentors within your own company, but also outside the company. So you need to find associations you can be a part of. And one of the things I'm very proud of is my relationship in Connects and being on the board. But I've found so many great relationships, mentors. When we started a facilities team, again, I'd repaired stuff my whole life, but I never started a facilities team. I found at then was Prism, uh, but again, uh, changed Connects. I found all kinds of leaders there. Uh, one of my favorite stories is uh, when I went to the first one in Nashville, North American Dental was there. And I'm like, that's the first people I'm going to go talk to. And they talk to me and we're like, what are you doing? What are you doing? So again, we're not in competition as facilities teams. We support each other and we like learn so much from each other. But again, it was really, you know, finding those people that do what you do. So find a mentor inside your company that can get you to that next step, whether it's your direct supervisor, someone in another department, find that person. And then find people outside of your company that you can work with and talk and and even be a sounding board saying, hey, I'm having these problems. I need help. Or uh, one of the great questions you ask is, how do you get to the C-suite? How do you inform them of what you're doing? There's there's people that have walked that path before. So go talk to them. Say, hey, how did you present this? How did you get this information across? I love it. Well, Kenneth, I just want to say a big thank you for joining us. I truly enjoyed the conversation. I really appreciate it. If our audience wants to reach out to you and ask any questions, where can they find you? Reach out to me on LinkedIn, contacts and information's in there. And again, I, I would anything to help this industry or people in this industry grow, I, I'd love to. Well, that was Kenneth Jones, Director of Facilities at Heartland Dental. If you were to Google MedTail today, one of the things you'll read about is the rise of MedTail and how it's shifting the way people have access to health and wellness. I think it'll be very interesting to watch what the future holds, but what will be important and determine their success is the ability to focus on patient care and keeping the physical spaces warm, welcoming, and optimized for the best patient experience, much like what Kenneth shared with us today. 
Well, for all those in our audience, thank you for joining us. Until next time, I'm Sid Shetty, and see you on the next episode of Elevating Brick and Water. Service Channel brings you peace of mind through peak facilities performance. Rest easy knowing your locations are offering the best possible guest experience, living up to brand standards, and operating with minimal downtime. Service Channel partners with more than 500 leading brands globally to provide visibility across operations, the flexibility to grow and adapt to consumer expectations, and accelerated performance from their asset fleet and service providers. Get to know us at servicechannel.com.